Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, August 3rd, 2017. I'm Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture, and with me as always, Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. Hey everybody. And you can't see it, but drinking on camera, Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. So today is... It's been a long day. Yeah, he's it's just slurring his, hey guys, hey. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Yeah. All right, so it's, it's uh, the first beer. I think I'll be fine. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to slur high. It's just like yeah. one consonant sound. But anyway, <laughs> go throw for some it. ths in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so today's National Watermelon Day. Ooh, oh, nice. What do you think of that? I mean, it's the right like time watermelon? of year for it. I'll tell you what I don't like: cantaloupe and honeydew. Oh, you guys like those? I like cantaloupe, but I'm not a huge fan of honeydew. I can agree with that. I'm going to rant for a minute here. I'll tell you my problem with cantaloupe. My problem with cantaloupe (laughs) is that they put it in all sorts of different fruit salads, and I feel like it just, like, taints the fruit salad. Everything tastes like cantaloupe from then on. Hmm. Pisses me off. But do you like cantaloupe on it? Okay, I understand that maybe, but you don't like just the taste of it. Exactly. At the most basic level, cantaloupe is bad. I don't like it, and I don't like the fact that I can't just pick around it. It ruins everything. All right, well, let's wa- <laughs> go ahead, Ben. I made a, a cantaloupe lamp out of concrete. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah, I actually took a... I've always thought the texture on cantaloupe skin is like kind of interesting. It's like this cellular fractal-looking thing. Um, so I made a silicone mold with a smooth-on uh, of, a can- of a real cantaloupe and then turned it into like a lamp. Yeah, that was really cool. That was, like a, that was one of your first like mold-making things that I saw with like, concrete. Yeah. I'd rather eat that lamp than eat cantaloupe. Okay, well, it's watermelon day, all right? So quit talking <laughs> keep... about cantaloupe. <laughs> so it's melon, baby. All melons are fair game. All melons, okay. But they're not created equally? Uh, they don't. Well, they might have been created equally, but they don't taste equally. Watermelon's oh, okay. not bad, but I still prefer hot dog day. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I saw something really cool, and I'm. this is not what the podcast is about. This is not a fruit podcast for any first listeners. <laughs> yeah, we do but I saw something talk, pretty yeah. neat where somebody put, uh, what are those things that you put into like a KitchenAid mixer, like an electric mixer, but they put it into a drill uh-huh. and like cut the top of a watermelon open and then just like use that to totally turn the, the inside oh. of a watermelon to like a pulpy drink, and then they put vodka in it. I haven't yeah. tried it, but I want to. <laughs> and then they put like a, a tap on the side of the watermelon. Very crafty. I, I once was working on this series called like Cooking with Power Tools. Um, I think I did like three little videos for like Instagram where I did one where I opened a wine bottle. I just put like a wood screw like halfway in and then just pulled on the screw to pull out the, the wine cork. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite one is I used a drill to peel an apple. Um, How? You have to look at my Instagram. Okay. Uh, I think, I think it's way back. It's in the way back. Um, and I think also, but I've used, just taken the, like the mixer attachments from like a KitchenAid or from like an electric mixer and just put mm-hmm. them in my drill because I, I had the attachment, but I didn't have like the mixer. Right. And it works just <laughs> fine in like a regular, my you know, Ryobi 18 volt uh, cordless drill. Just like, you know, mix up those, you know, whatever you're making. Making a cake or yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's just a machine that spins something. Yeah, it just spins something in a circle. Awesome. Good times. Cool stuff. Good times. All right, that's, that's enough a good culinary talk, I guess. Right? Should we hop into what we're working on? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Ben, what are you working on? Well, I just posted. And I just finished and posted a uh, teaser video of the DIY CrossFit uh, fold-out gym 
that I've been working on and talking about for a long time. Um, And right now it seems to be doing pretty well on Instagram. Uh, We were like in the top nine for CrossFit uh, hashtags, which is pretty insane because that's like a 20 million post. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like to talk about their workout things, apparently. Shocking. Yeah, Um, I didn't know that already. No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you, yeah, if you go to like the, I mean, this will be airing after we're talking, but uh, right now. Hopefully it's still top nine. Yeah. (laughs) If you go to the cross hashtag CrossFit on Instagram, you'll see a whole bunch of incredibly ripped people and then like (laughs) DIY project. Um, (laughs) But no, it's it's actually, it's a, uh, I really like the project. It's basically a whole workout station that holds like, you know, 300 pounds of weight plates and a full like, you know, weight bar and also has a pull-up bar, but it is less than three square feet. So it's about eight inches by four feet of floor space. So okay. what I what I really like about it is that uh, it's sort of like a Murphy gym. It folds out from the wall, but that you can get so much sort of functionality within such a small space, but it's not also like a lot of times when you do that, you have to really unpack things. This thing, you just, you know, unflip one latch, this drawbridge drops down, which is like your pad for working on. And then all the weights are just right behind it. So, um, really like the project and excited to, uh, got to get a couple more fitness influencers in here to do a few more photo shoots. Cause my foot's still a little jacked up <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get that that video out there. I have a feeling it's going to do quite well on the YouTubes. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. So um, is there anything in it that you ha- you haven't finished or anything that you want to put in it or anything that you – you know, uh, um, you know what I'm trying think, to say? Yeah, there, I could have added like kettlebell storage or like jump ropes and stuff like that. Yeah. But I kind of like just the simplicity of it. And I already have like that sort of gym in the box – previous project so between those two i have like a ridiculous amount of fitness right. equipment that, and i really only just use like a chin-up bar and like a yoga mat for like push-ups and stuff so um i'll probably actually be uh i'll probably try to like the crossfit thing for like a little bit like some of those sort of barbell uh exercises just because i am experimenting this year with working out from home rather than uh so i quit my equinox membership and uh so yeah, um, I might try it a little bit, but um, I don't know. I, I have a feeling I'm not going to be doing like power cleans on like a regular basis for a long time. <laughs> what about you guys? What are you working on, Mike? I am working on a couple things now. Um, first, though, I want to shout out everyone that bought some merch. Thank you very much. I sold way more than I was expecting, so that was nice. really cool. And fun fact, coffee cups. That was like the hot item. That was that was like the big seller. Like t-shirts did well as well, but I was surprised to see that. So shout out everybody, thank you. Nice. Um, on that note, some uh, other things that have been happening is the mirror got delayed another week. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, I went to install it into the wall, and it got caught on the faucet of the sink, and somehow chipped in the corner. <laughs> so. I don't know if I got like a particularly fragile piece of glass or something, which was weird because it was quarter inch. It was a quarter inch pane. So it was it was heavy duty glass, but it chipped on the bottom right corner and is not usable. So, oh, my God, it's just a cursed mirror, man. man, I swear. You know what it is? And I, I figured out what happened. It really is cursed. So the very first mirror, whenever the spray finish messed up somehow, I don't even remember how it did. 
was it, or the it was the reaction, adhesive. I think, the, right? the adhesive yeah. had messed everything up. And the adhesive that I used, it just didn't attach everything well. So I was like, oh, I'll just pull the mirror apart from the light box. And during the process, I broke the mirror. Now I got bad luck. From I was going to say, on, by the time you finish this thing, you're going to have like 49 years of bad luck <laughs> chopped up. Straight up. So, yeah, uh, that video will be out sometime in the future. I'm not even going to give a date. I've, I've learned my lesson <laughs> on that. So look forward to that in August. Let's just say that. Um, aside <laughs> yeah. from that, I finished up a dining table. Hopefully that video is out by now. Uh, it was the reclaimed top one that ended up coming out, I think, really cool. It was interesting taking really rough, uh, not rough sun, but it was just old and weathered and just ugly wood. It, it was old barn flooring and it had... How, like, how thick were the boards? They were just over two inches or they were probably two inch nominal. They were just thicker oh, than wow. like a two by four. Okay. And they had like black tar on the surface everything so i was a little they dulled the crap out of my planter blades uh by the time mm. i got done i was like pushing the boards through the planter to get them to go through like they were oh wow um but it was just a thing where it's like okay i'm gonna replace my blades once i'm done you know what i mean i'm gonna get all the life i can out of them but they cleaned up really nice made a really cool table um i was really impressed with tablelegs.com's base it went together in like 10 minutes and you just needed an Allen key, so that was really cool. Um, aside from that, I'm working on a new a new end table, and it's kind of funny. My last uh, stool video from a while back, I had a couple people mention like, "Oh, it looks like Chris would have made this." I feel like I am going to get these comments on on the side table though. Uh oh. Um, it's gonna it's it's gonna be like pretty mid century, but you know your one your like one footed end table thing yeah. you make. Made, mm-hmm. not without you make. It's going to be kind of similar making. to that. It's going to be like just a square box. I'm not going to do one leg, obviously. It'll be four kind of splayed legs. But uh-huh. I, I feel like I'm definitely going to get that comments once or twice. But I'm using maple. I'm not using walnut. So. Ooh, yeah, that's. Chris would not use. Patented four eyes to use maple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris can only use. But it's going in a or room walnut, with dark yeah. floors. So I don't want to do walnut okay. on walnut, you know? Yeah, you don't want to just camouflage in there. Exactly. That's what happened with the nice. desk I made a while back. You don't even see it. You just <laughs> run into it every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's just kind of like dark on dark. That's something I learned. So there you go. Fun fact for the listeners. Chris, what do you got going Fun on? Fun fact. I got, uh, actually I don't got much going on right now. Although this weekend I'm going to start building some, well, I already built outdoor planner boxes before I was on YouTube. Uh-huh. But I've gotten a few questions on them because you can see them in some of the videos, especially when I used to shoot all my finishing shots outside, you could see them in the background. And so I was looking for an outdoor project to do and I thought, oh, I'll show how I make those. So I'm going to make another one of those, just like a smaller version and show how, because I made them in two different sizes when I made them. So you can really make it whatever size you want. It's kind of like modular and you can just elongate it. So I'm just going to make a small one of those just to show how to make them. Uh, Other than that. When's the dining table video coming out? That's... That's going to come out this weekend. Nice. So on Saturday, hopefully, I'll put that out. I've, I'm editing it right now. I'm almost done editing it. It's funny, actually. I was editing it earlier today, and I noticed that... I, I don't know how this happened. I don't even have footage for this whole section of it. Like, I just... I don't know if I was pushing the button on my camera and it wasn't doing anything or what, but... Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, like, I recorded the whole voiceover and everything, and, like, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I missed this kind of crucial part huh. so i'm gonna have to go back and just like put some text and some drawings or something to try to fill it in hopefully i can make it 
I think I'm going to have to like play up the fact that I didn't have the footage and then make it fit in naturally that way rather than trying to make it like not noticeable that I didn't have the footage. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Kind of like, I don't know, putting a highlighter on a pimple or something to <laughs> really call attention to it. Yeah. But I, th- I think it'll all work out fine. And I think people will still understand what's going on. So that's the important part is that it's not, as long as it's not confusing, then I'm fine with it. And I think it will not be confusing. Right on. Um, other than that, I got that leather in the mail. I opened that up this weekend. So been thinking about what I want to do with that. Ideas. Actually, I got a question maybe. So yeah, I, the main, I mean, the first thing that popped in my head obviously was a chair. I know last week we were talking about that. It might be a little thin, that leather for making like a sling kind of chair. Right. Can you laminate two pieces of it together? Yes. To make it thicker? Yeah. Like. Yeah, contact so, cement. Yeah, I'm thinking about maybe, yeah, just like getting some whatever adhesive would work best and laminating pieces together and then like cutting some strips and maybe like doing a weave or something. I don't know. That would be I'll, really I'll figure cool. out what to do with it at that point. I but think so. Just getting it thick enough to use for that. I like That's that. my first idea. Um, but yeah, I've I had a lot of people write in suggestions. So I, I, I I'll would, keep looking over those. I would just go for it. Because even, even just as a, an experiment, there's always going to be a way to reinforce it, right? So I would just try yeah. to make it that way. And then let's say it's you feel like the leather's stretching too much or it's starting to pull or you feel like it could tear. Then it's just like a secondary design challenge to figure out a cool way to reinforce the thing you've already done by sort of like stitching yeah. something into it or something like that or stitching a backing to it. So it might make the project take a little bit longer, but I would say just go for it. and Because and yeah. it. it's certainly a dilemma that other people have. And I think it makes it makes your sort of novice... Uh, sort of position with when it comes to leather working kind of an advantage for producing the video or content yeah i'm thinking that's probably what i'm going to do the other idea i had if i wanted to do a chair was actually making like a cushion for the bottom and then maybe doing just a back that's a sling Mm -hmm. because the back was not going to be having to handle that much weight so i'm sure even just as one piece it's probably fun nice well i'm i'm excited to see what both of you guys do uh with them and I mean, this sort of selfish motivation and sort of uh, getting them over to you guys was to see, well, one, because Tandy, uh, <laughs> Tandy was giving them up. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shout out to Tandy. And is that, I mean, I'm still relatively sort of novice level. And I've done a couple experiments with leather. Um, and each time I've, ta- I've, I've tackled sort of a, a leather project, I've, I've tried it in a different way. But I still feel like there's a lot of sort of, uh, there's a lot of sort of like woodworking or more uh, or making sensibilities um, that are different from like what people that have been trained as leather workers would sort of have. So yeah. I've figured the more I circulate it to you know people like you guys, the more I'll sort of get ideas by watching how you guys sort of approach it. For sure. Yeah, yeah. it's like giving us a test and being like, here, why don't you see if you can answer all these? And then uh, <laughs> I'll just I'll, I'll take that test next week. Right. That's what Ben's doing to us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We got some Should questions. Should we uh, hop in? We got, oh, we got some questions. So the nice. first one comes in from The Harvester Life. Okay. says, I have a question. He starts <laughs> it off with that, so you know what it is straight out of the gate. He says, when you've made a big mistake on a project, how do you decide between starting all over or spending extra time to try and fix it? Hashtag oops. Have you guys ever ruined a project so bad that you just said it and done with this one? And just, Mir? Um Yes. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. I, I, I recently did this. Um, I, I almost always prioritize time over material waste. Um, and okay. I know that's not always the, you know, 
the most environmentally friendly thing and stuff like that. But for me, it's like, nope, that's my irreplaceable asset. Like, uh, you know, sometimes you got to throw something away and start over. Uh, recently, though, that kind of that approach to trying to take you know shortcuts or save time sort of bit me in the ass a little bit because I tried to make I needed more storage because you know I'm in a loft and I keep getting all these awesome tools so so I got one of those like prefab Rubbermaid uh, storage sheds and I tried oh. to build it on, <laughs> I think I put it on my Instagram story it, it, it was the saddest looking shed ever I, I couldn't I got I it was on put, uneven ground it, it was, was on like really all, uneven ground and I got it on itself I got it like I probably spent like four hours working on it and it was just really frustrating to try to get all these rubbery pieces to like pull together and then the last two pieces just wouldn't fit and there was no way to force them in because the the floor was bent and that was making all the walls skewed outwards okay so uh and then i injured my foot so then i sort of realized okay uh, rather than keep working on this uneven ground you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna call up Quickrete, have them send over a bunch of uh, uh, crack resistant concrete, and just pour a real thin concrete slab. Mm-hmm. So, so I had already resolved. Okay, what, that's what I should have done in the first place. Just pour a slab. You know, I probably could have done it with compacted gravel, but like a slab is pretty easy to get level because you know you level the the perimeter form, and then the concrete pretty much sits level within that. Right. Um, so, ordered the concrete. And then, like, I had my foot injury, and then it's, I couldn't, like, really, uh, like, do concrete work for a bit. But luckily, uh, one of my high school friends uh, came out to visit. Um, he's actually a really interesting guy that he does, like, underwater welding. And, like, he does, like, repairs to, like, oil rigs and, like, piers and stuff like that. So he's always, he, he does sort of, like, making and building stuff, but he does it, like, underwater, which apparently... Wow adds like a severe degree of complication to everything. So he's explaining to me, I'm going to try to get him on as one of the weekend show interviews because he's used like underwater chainsaws and talks about like underwater arc welding when you're like getting kind of, you feel the electric current kind of shocking you. Oh, Um, I believe it. Yeah. So anyways, he was out visiting and uh, because he was going to help me with the CrossFit station. And so uh, we took the time to like, uh, you know, uh, actually do the concrete foundation and it, we hand mixed 30 bags 30 80 pound bags of concrete so over a ton of concrete and it was <laughs> extra work it was about we, we we tore through it that we had like a good system uh it took us about three hours to mix 30 bags um so we got our, our workout in for today it was a situation where i did take that shortcut and did screw it up and and did go back and do it but when i do sort of go back i normally go like nuclear i like so overbuild it right because you know most of the time i'll try to cut it and be time efficient but if it does go wrong once then the second time i'm just like screw this i am crossing all my t's and dotting all my dies because i'm not going to go through a second like kind of uh you know project failure i think that on a personal level, I probably tend to be more like Ben. The only time actually where I almost look at the material as a time where like the, the times where I'll get real crucial, where like, oh, I can't mess this up or I'm going to fix this is because I don't want to spend the time to go get more material. If I just had like infinite material sitting there, then yeah, I'd just be like, uh, so I'll just cut a bunch of these real fast and then use the ones that are right or, you know, whatever. But um, in general, I think the way that I would look at it is so basically 
if you're a pro, you're going to probably look at things as time is money and you're not going to want to spend the time to try to fix things. But I think as a hobbyist, you actually should try to spend the time to fix things because you'll probably learn more from being able to do that. Like, mm, okay, let me see if this sounds right. It's almost like a good woodworker or a good maker could build things, but a great it takes a great maker to be able to like fix errors and make it not noticeable. I feel like that's a skill, that's like the higher skill level is to be able to overcome those obstacles. So if you're doing it as a hobbyist and you're not worried about you know the extra time that you're gonna have to put into it to try to overcome an error that you make, I think it's actually a really good learning opportunity. Right, yeah, yeah. What's the biggest mistake on a project you've made? You know what, I mean like, I, I, don't I definitely mistakes. have mistakes. That's right. <laughs> I'm not human. No, uh, there's always mistakes in every project, yeah. but I've never had one that was so bad that I had to start a project over. I mean, there might be ones where like, okay, this piece, you know, this one little piece of a whole project is ruined, but usually like, it'll just be like, okay, instead of being 48 inches, this is going to be 47 inches. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Well, Mike, you have a lot of recent experience with this. You have a lot of experience. <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> a lot of near fails. Mike chooses to start over seven times. Was there any point where you're just like, screw it like this? Um, I'm just scrapping this mirror project and yes. Um, the only reason like literally if I wasn't, cause I'm like, 600 bucks into the project now i think <laughs> the only reason i'm still doing it is because it's a sponsored video and i want to make the money back i've spent because the way i'm looking at it right now is it's like i could be 600 dollars out and get nothing out of it or i can just keep spending money yeah. and eventually hopefully like just just let me break even geez or something you know what i mean so um plus you've talked it up so much now you exactly and that's the big part too is you know i've i talked about it in the remodel video and I keep getting comments, right. like comments, kind of like new ones saying like, hey, are you ever going to put that mirror up? And I'm like, yes, geez, just give, <laughs> give me more time. Um, but yeah, with that project, I definitely um, like my going to the glass shop and just having them do it was my, okay, screw this. I'm done. I'm just buying it. Right. Um, which granted, I expected that to be like, I'm buying it and it's, you know, not, I'm not going to have to go and get another one. But so yeah, that's definitely happened before. But I think... Other than that, I've never really had a project where I've just said, screw it, I'm done with it. Um, except for one. I tried to make uh, just a like a desk lamp with a concrete base. Nothing original, but the concrete form didn't work right. It came out being really ugly, so I threw it against the pavement <laughs> and like let it explode. So, And I filmed it in slow-mo. It's on my Instagram. Nice, go do go. a deep dive, and you'll find it. <laughs> <Deep dive. laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Should we move yeah. on to another Let's one? Let's do it. Okay. Here, this is a quick one. Prusa Woodworks, he asks, do you have to have facial hair to be a woodworker? Absolutely. Not a question. I, I, Look, Ben's clean. He's kind of clean shaven right now. He's got the yeah. shadow. He's more of a maker, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I would say, like, to, to actually... It helps. It's a silly question, but to take it seriously, okay. uh, I would think of it as, like, an opportunity to differentiate, Right. So I always think like the best strategy is if you're going to a place where everyone's wearing a suit, dress a little more casual, wear jeans and a t-shirt and a hoodie. If you're going to some place where everyone's wearing jeans and a t-shirt and a hoodie, wear a suit, right? Like there's, there's zero value in sort of blending in. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You might as well sort of differentiate just, an, I mean, 
don't go wearing like one of those spinning propeller hats, <laughs> right? Because then you're just like the asshole that's like asking for attention. But don't go out peacocking, right? That's what that right. is. But no, I, I think that there's there's especially if you're you know you're, if you're doing it to create media or to sort of build a brand. There's not a lot of value in conforming to the stylistic social norms no, that's unless true. there's just like a go- you know like I think there's probably at one point where there's like a, a, a huge shortage of people that were making rustic modern furniture. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a long time ago. Not the case now. <laughs> uh, so just being one more sort of you know guy with rolled up flannel sleeves and a beard that that makes sort of like you know rough slab furniture it's great if that's your identity but uh you shouldn't shoot for that identity if it's you be it obviously always be yourself but don't think that like wearing that sort of uniform is going to be any sort of advantage in most cases it's probably going to be the exact opposite i just thought of a new segment that we should have on the show we should have who can ask the most ridiculous question that ben can still answer (laughs) and give a serious answer (laughs) and still have like a takeaway from it (laughs) that should be so send in your ridiculous questions and and ben will have a serious take yeah i like it you know i interact a few times with a guy on instagram and other i think on youtube as well um that his his uh the beardless name is man the beardless woodworker yeah. yeah or is it beardless man or woodworker man. something like man. that yeah, yeah. Shout out to beardless man shout out to the beardless man yeah or i met woodworker. him in the uh at the sky it took event in oklahoma he's a real cool dude ironically bearded um no <laughs> okay <laughs> it's not just a clever name. although i think it is funny his logo is a is yeah, bearded, like, though but yeah it's like isn't it the words that are like yeah. writing the beard that is creative yeah. i guess yeah a clever guy go. go check his channel out there All we right. go Shout out. Deep dive. It's going to be the new thing. Deep dive in the Instagram. I don't have anything to deep dive for in my Instagram. I got to get, I got to go get some, uh, some, you got to uh, make cookies that I hide. I was in about there. to say, do some ridiculous posts and we'll check back in six months. Yeah. I got to go back in time. I got to get that DeLorean out. All right. Moving on. Joel F. He wrote, his last name was too hard. So I just put F. All right. He says, when people buy furniture, they usually look a lot at the price tag without thinking so much about the long-term value. In the past, furniture was made to last and inheriting it from relatives was common. How do we get people to think in terms of furniture as investment for life instead of buying low price furniture that are cheap on the wallet short term? I'm reading this as the way it was written, by the way, so I'm not having a stroke. Can I, can I like uh, <laughs> answer that question with a question to you guys? Yeah. Do you think sure. furniture should be furniture for life? Uh, some um, some pieces, but not all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the way that it is. I think some pieces should be. And in- also, yeah, I'll I'll push back on part of that question because I think how do we know that furniture used to be made to last? Like, there's always that sort of supposition that like, oh, things used to be made, you know, that right. Like they were made to last, but if I, I would imagine that very few people bought new furniture back then either. Mm-hmm. Well, also just think about it like this, just by the, the definition of that term. So if a hundred years ago, half the furniture was made to last and half the furniture wasn't, the only stuff that would be around today would be the stuff that was made to last. Boom. Yeah, that's true. That though. means in 50 years from now, the only stuff that'll still be around in 50 years is the stuff today that was made to last. So 
will everyone be like, oh man, all furniture was great. Yeah, furniture was great back then. They're not going to see all the particle board because that's already in the landfill. But like all exactly, the, that's already decomposed. Yeah. I mean, that is a really good point though. Because I mean, when you look at old furniture, for the most part, all the antiques you see are the like, the drawers are dovetailed. It's all like solid oak through, you know, and you don't see a lot of like hacked together furniture. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that could also be to do with the technologies of what they were using to make them. So like, you know, for example, glues have, I'm sure, come, uh, they've evolved light years from 50 years ago where you needed like mechanical things like dovetails for the furniture to be able to stay together. And now a glue can do that. That's a good point. And I also think that we're, we're, we might be comparing faults parts, right? I don't think all furniture made like a long time ago was built to last. I bet you there's a lot of crappy old furniture that we don't see anymore because it didn't last. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So there's a little bit of uh, whereas, you know, I think that there's a lot. Okay. Here's a great example. What's that? There's like a chair. It's on like design within reach. It's like a, it's a solid or it's a single piece of aluminum chair. Right. It's like, I think I know what you're talking right? about. So the whole chair is one piece of aluminum. I don't know if it was cast and then ground or just machined or how they made it or just weld and, and ground out. But basically the whole chair is aluminum and it's just like, looks like a very classic, you know, wooden chair, but it's, it's just all metal. That would be built to last. That chair is going to last a really <laughs> long time. It's not going to rust. It's not going to corrode. It's going to last longer than any sort of perfectly made wood Windsor type chair. Right. The, the chair I'm sitting on right now is a pretty cheap sort of modern uh, uh, chair, but the seat is uh, fiberglass. That's going to last a pretty mm-hmm. long time as long as it's not sitting directly in the sun. Um, the legs are, are, are hardwood and with a little bit of metal sort of holding together. All those parts will last actually a really long time, even though it's a, it's a relatively inexpensive chair. If, if you leave a perfectly expertly made wood chair in a place where there's a lot of moisture and sunlight, it will break down. It won't last. Um, so I, I would push back on a lot of those, on a lot of those. I, I think there's some truth to it, uh, but there's so many people that are making things in this traditional way now. There's so many more materials now. So I think it's really about uh, people now have options for new stuff that's affordable, whereas that that didn't used to be a a economic option. Exactly, it was either rich people got new stuff and uh, poor people made it themselves or got hand me downs. Um, so, so industrialization and uh, mass manufacturing ha- have created that new option. Uh, where new stuff is accessible to everybody. And plus, I mean, I don't want the same dining table for the next, like, assuming I live 60 years, I don't want to have the same dining table for the next 60 years, you know? Um, Even if it's one that I made and I'm really proud of, I want to be able to make a new dining table and be like, and I don't know, because you can still make things built to last and not necessarily keep them forever. Right, and Um, you can make it. So yeah, do that too. Yeah, you can make the parts like if the parts can come apart nicely mm-hmm. so that you could reuse them right like for like the re uh the reclaimed table that you're working on yeah maybe someday like you say okay actually those legs are kind of traditional i want something a little bit more modern you know the ability to sort of separate the top from the legs and then put different legs on them and then you know rearrange the pieces in sort of a modular strategy would give you more flexibility 
without having to throw away any of the materials. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of what you were talking about a couple of weeks ago about the the idea yeah. of like material investments and stuff like that. Whereas instead of looking at a piece of furniture as an entire piece, look at it as kind of the sum of its parts and how those parts can be like reintroduced into other projects as well. So, yeah, that's a good question. It's a funny Chris, how long do you think your you pieces would last? What? How long do you think your oh, pieces say forever? A solid, you know, 3 years. <laughs> no, just tops. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, honestly, longer than me, probably. And, you know, unless, unless they get abused. I, I do you feel like that's like the real test on furniture is like, how many times can it be like put into a moving truck moved without you know being what? broken? I think actually a lot of it gets back to a point that Ben made maybe last week when he was talking about like the case use for different tools. Um, like, you know, what is considered a good drill to him is it doesn't have to hold up to those same standards, those same standards as a contractor who's going to use it eight hours a day, five right. days a week. So sometimes I'll get comments like on a coffee table that's like, oh, that looks flimsy. Like, you know, you couldn't jump on that table. It would break apart. It's like, yeah, but you would not buy this coffee table if you're the kind of person who wants to jump on your coffee table. Exactly. So it doesn't need to hold up to every situation. You know, anybody who buys a $2,500 minimalist coffee table, like you're probably pretty into furniture and you probably take pretty good care of your furniture. Right, yeah. So it doesn't need to be a beater. I don't know. That's the way I think about it. So these kind of, the, I think the things that I build, you know, as long as there's not any kind of like stress like, outside yeah. of the ordinary abuse coming into them, they're fine. They'll hold exactly, up. Exactly, yeah. Does glue have like a shell? Like, is there like a... Glue is good for a hundred years, then the joint starts like know. not being stable anymore or something. That's a good question. I mean, who knows? And the other thing is, if those things were to fail, what you know, most of the time at least, you would be able Just to fix it, it with together. whatever <laughs> better modern glue comes comes out. And and in theory, it would start like coming apart, not just like you know, it's perfectly fine, and then all of a sudden it's disintegrated or whatever you'd probably see some stuff start opening up. I mean, it's hard to say. I don't know. I've never heard anything about the shelf life of modern glues, but I'm sure they're longer than we need to worry sure. about Yeah, under normal conditions. I would assume so. I used, uh, yep, yep. I used Type Bond 3 for this table glue up. It actually worked really great for it because it's that like dark brown color. It's the outdoor Type Bond. Okay. Have y'all used that before? Mm, yeah, Is yeah. that... So that's what the difference is? It's just made for mm -hmm. outdoor? Because the Type Bond 2 is water resistant, but the Type Bond 3 is waterproof. You know what? I had somebody comment on one of my videos one time. They said, I was using walnut, and they said, why don't you get the the walnut colored yeah. Type Bond? And I was like, that exists? I saw it. it I saw it at Woodcraft. It's not It's not cheap, um, but they have a whole, uh -huh. They had next to the register, they had a whole rack of Type Bond glues. I was really surprised. They had like 30 different variations of So it's really like just like a stuff. dye inside of it? I got to get think some so, of that yeah. stuff. And they also make uh, like a clear glue that dries totally clear that's supposed to be able to like okay. blend into finishes really well compared to the kind of oh. like yellowy to like tone it gives other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of stuff out huh. there. I got it. I got to go get 30 different kinds of glues now. <laughs> I know. I think it's funny what you said, Mike, actually, because in in our weird worlds, we actually want the thing, or we want to get want rid of the thing in five years it. because we yeah. want to, re <laughs> exactly, yeah, we're, we're looking for reasons to replace things. Um, I, I think that's a unique position to be in, but I will say that if you're making things or you're listening to this podcast, 
you have a higher value on furniture than the average person. So yeah, you are probably in that camp that thinks things should be made to last. But you know, if you're not into that stuff and you're 23 and you just got your first job and you're trying to furnish a whole apartment, like, you know, you're probably going to want to get the stuff that's only going to be for you for the next five years or whatever. That's all. That's its purpose is to get you through that part of your life. No, I I think that, that, you know, Chris just hit on, on, on something that also might be a part of it is that I would guess probably people are, are perhaps more mobile now. Yeah. They move more and they move farther away from where they are born um, than perhaps uh, before. So that could also factor into the sort of desire for more cheaper disposable furniture because people are more transient. Yeah. It's not yeah. as easy to hand down. Yeah, I think people probably... <laughs> My bad. You're good. No, yeah. I was going to say people... <laughs> People probably, as they get older, they buy their first place. That's probably the natural time that you're going to start thinking about long-term and quality and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of, I don't think that you could convince your average 23-year-old to spend a lot on a piece of And then I I think the last like thing that I would bring out of that question is, do you think design, like personal design tastes change for people faster now? Like as a, for instance... If, hmm. uh, like a, like kind of a, like Sons of Sawdust, you know, Sons of Sawdust, right? On Instagram yeah. and all that. Awesome stuff. I love their tables. But do you guys think that 10, 15 years from now that they'll be in as high demand? You, you know what I mean? Do you think people will be looking to kind of like replace that, like old, like old growth right. kind of Douglas fir reclaimed table look with something totally different? Whereas maybe that didn't happen as much. I think there'll be I think there'll be slight changes, right? It'll be like okay. jeans. Like people will still wear jeans, and the denim will still be seen as like the sort of uh, the the thing that we cover our legs with most of the time. But like the cut will be a little bit different, right? right? Uh, so at some point, I think like the bases. I think people will always like sort of like well made with distinctive, you know, with distinctive grain solid wood tables. I think what will change right. is whether they like a really heavy rustic base or more of a, a light modern one. Um, okay. I think this sort of whether they want more orange hues for the wood versus a more sort of low saturated. Mm-hmm. I think it'll more change like that. But I think that there, there will probably be a, a desire for uh, solid wood tables for a long time. And they'll just sort of adjust and get tweaked for the bases and the finishes and things like that. But I think if the thing that would make them less desirable if suddenly somebody if monsanto genetically engineers a tree like a walnut tree that can grow uh from you know seed to maturity in two years that Mm -hmm. would change it because that would actually make the walnut too uh too plentiful which would then water down the value right so i think it's more of the, the the wood is where the value is because it's a, it's a scarce material. There's It's a limited resource. It's slow to produce. So unless that gets sort of disrupted through some sort of technology or suddenly we discovered a huge walnut tree forest or something like that, I think that's going to keep driving the perceived value of those wood tables. And I think the stylistic shift will just be the little sort of finishes and sort of base details. Nice. To stay on the same subject, like what happens to all of those like reclaimed wood tables that exist now? Once that's oh, that, like they get reclaimed for something else. You think? 
Okay. Yeah, second time, second time reclaimed. Oh, here's a good yeah, example. Keep going around. When I was in college in design school, that was when the sort of bamboo plywood and bamboo flooring was sort of first coming on the market. So this was like, you know, 15 years ago. So at that time, it was relatively novel. You didn't see it in a lot of places, and it was kind of a high-end product. And it was sort of pitched as a sustainable thing because, wait, we can grow bamboo fast. Yeah. And it does. It's a really nice-looking material. Um, it was, used to be so expensive. And now it's slowly gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because more people are producing it, and it is a rapidly, you know, they are rapidly growing plants. So that's a great example of how it was expensive at first because the production runs were s- smaller but it was also that when it was at its sort of most desirable because it was relatively visually scarce. And then as it became more, as people were very prolific using it, then it sort of became this kind of, okay, like every kind of like bath and body works or kind of like <laughs> spa type place has this like light colored yeah. uh, bamboo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of overusing it in the early 2000s. I think my first house that I sort of uh, designed and worked on we did all the cabinets out of that blonde bamboo, yeah. and we thought it was so hot. Like <laughs> we're like, oh, this is awesome. Right. And now I look, I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty that's pretty dated. Yeah, um, so. that'd be funny if in like ten years from now, like this, what if the style that all of us evolve into is like this like real traditional. <laughs> heavy pieces and like we just look back with such embarrassment over the stuff we're making right, right now <laughs> i i don't know i don't know but yeah modern for life be doing all victorian settees yeah. <laughs> i'm really gonna make that yeah. shift yeah cool all right well i think we have officially worked through the questions good that we question have. thank you for all those questions yeah no keep them coming keep them coming people are submitting them to the uh instagram account they're emailing them in so any way you want to send them in, just make sure we get them, and we'll we'll try our best right to answer on. them when they're. Do we have a hypothetical yes. for this week? We do. I got I got one here that I think I wrote this one down when I first learned of Ben's injury. So this is an <laughs> injury related one. Would you rather lose both legs or one arm? Oh man, one, one arm. arm. Oh yeah, one yeah. arm. No, I would lose really? both legs. No, it's, no? I would lose it. I'd lose my left arm over both legs i'd, use, I'd yeah. lose my right arm i'm left-handed but yeah <laughs> oh, you don't want yeah, the challenge j- just Come to just to put a you know an end to all these future ones here's the order right i would want to keep <laughs> eyesight would be the last thing yeah because i was like sort of oh, a I designer it's a family show um <laughs> so but like yeah definitely uh hearing would probably be like the most <laughs> or hearing your sense of smell would be like yeah um, but then I wouldn't be I able to tell. Smell, baby. But then in the dark, I couldn't tell which tight bond I was using. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I definitely get rid of an arm before two legs. Yeah, and and let's let's think about it critically. If we're going into the future where there's bionic arms and legs, I feel like adapting with a bionic arm would be a lot easier than adapting with two bionic legs. See, I disagree with that. I think that the I think that technology will be able to replicate legs a lot sooner than it's able to replicate an arm because of all the okay. fine motor movements that you use hmm. with your hands. Yeah, but I'm going to have a, a giant hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'll be able to just like <laughs> jump 30 feet into the air and run 10,000 miles an hour with my bionic legs. Yeah. I don't know. I'll give man. you one of those John Jones kicks to the head with a bionic leg. Watch out. 
Well, if if you did get bionic legs, would you make yourself a little bit taller? Uh, I'm good. Chris is already pretty tall, though. I've, Chris is yeah. already yeah. slightly above average. So, are we talking about IQ? Um, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Just sense of smell. My awesome. sense of smell is slightly above. So, average. what are you guys currently obsessed Ooh. with? I uh, here. where do y'all go? I got a uh, a new podcast that this will be for for a very specific person, but. You guys know I love Seinfeld. That's like my favorite show ever. And yeah, so it's a great show. You like it? Oh man, then you may like oh, Seinfeld. It. Yeah. It's basically Oh, nice. Yeah, they uh they go through like every episode so it's each week it's a new episode and it goes chronologically through the episodes of Seinfeld. So they're they're getting towards the end now. They're like on I don't know 140 of 180 episodes and the episodes are like an hour and a half long. They break down each episode. They kind of just like play through it. Like they'll play through a scene and then talk about it and give like little insights behind the scene type stuff. It, if you're not heavily into Seinfeld though, de- definitely don't listen to this. You will not enjoy it. But if you do love Seinfeld, go for it. I went through like a discovery phase of Seinfeld about a year ago. Oh, wow. Um, because whenever Seinfeld was its most popular, I was right. like six years old yeah. and my parents would watch it and I would just kind of like see it, but I would never watch it. Right. I just remember, I just remember seeing it, but never being interested in it or really understanding the humor. And, you know, they they play reruns of it like all the time. And one day I just like happened to see an episode and it was the, uh, it was the Festivus episode, yes. which is like one of the That's best episodes. <laughs> And they got it. Totally got me hooked. Like I watched that and I was like, "This is really, really funny." And so I set my DVR to like record them because they come on every day. So I was like, "Okay, I'll I'll record tomorrow's and see if they're good." And they were good. So I, so then I just like I just watch it. Nice every episode. So Seinfeld, it's Seinfeld, good even yep. if you're even if you're a young guy, even if you're late even to the game. You can it, still enjoy it. aged well, uh-huh. or whatever whatever the word is. You know what I mean? It, it's still... It's built to last, like furniture built should Built to be. last. There we go. Like furniture <laughs> should be. Exactly. My obsession is going to remain Big Brother, mm. simply because it's getting good. I've never <laughs> watched really good. Big Brother, so I don't know how it compares to other seasons. But this stuff, man, it gets you kind of locked in a little bit and like kind of... I don't know. I just, the whole time I'm doing it, I'm just like getting so mad at people, like making bad decisions and stuff like that. So, but, <laughs> but I was a big Survivor fan. Did y'all like used to watch Survivor or anything like that? I would watch it when it like very first came out. And I don't know, what would yeah. that have been like 2000 probably? It was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Like Boston Rob. I, I remember just the guy who would get naked, <laughs> Richard. That was like the very first season. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That's funny. But anyways, my obsession is still Big Brother. I'm sorry. I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, gosh, that's terrible. Yeah, why don't television. you go to Applebee's and watch Big Brother? Yes. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, I'm, it is probably like considered like shitty TV, but <laughs> it's the- I'm, so, I'm going to have to bring out the bleep button today. But, um, <laughs> but either way, I, 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 I'm, I'm digging it. So for me, our, mine's going to be sort of a shout out to our friend uh, who's on Instagram as the Minimalist oh, Maker. Yeah. Actually, there's no the. It's just Minimalist mm-hmm. Maker. She keeps producing just really clean, super professional-looking projects that are simple. Yeah, I saw that you, you, bent you, lamination you, light. Ni- she just did, yeah, she just did, It's like one of those things where I look at it, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> I almost get like a little annoyed because I'm like, that's so obvious, but so <laughs> right. not. And I should have Yeah, those are that. the best things. The um, why didn't I think of those? Yeah. Her, her her photography is excellent. Everything looks like a finished professional 
project. So uh, she still is like you know relatively low on the follower mm-hmm. count. It's hugely disproportionate to the quality of designs and things she's making. So check out Minimalist Maker on Instagram, and she has a YouTube channel. Uh, you can find it, and she has my favorite. She did my favorite one of the two two by four projects. Yeah, yeah hers was really cool. good. Oh, could I interrupt you? I looked at my iTunes interrupt. charts. Have you guys yes. looked at those? Top of the um, chart, baby. We beat I'm out be Joe Rogan. With you, whenever I created the podcast, or whenever I like made our RSS feed, I think uh, I miscategorized us a little bit, which I've googled and I can fix. But we're in the we're in the arts section, and apparently, I think we should be in the like hobbies section. Okay. Um, How we doing in arts though? We're almost top hundred. We're oh, about baby. to break top hundred, I think. So. Give us some shout outs. Is it like the arts? Like, is it like. It's like, I think visual arts, I think, is the category. So it's, if I knew, you know, if I had looked at them, I would have probably understood. But the the category we're in is more about like art, like physical art, photography, video, Mm -hmm. and film, stuff like that. Whereas Uh we should have been in the hobby section, which is more uh, craft. A lot of stuff stuff about cars. Mm. Mm. Like, like car guys. I don't know if I mind being where we're at. I know. I kind of like whenever I was deciding it, I was, I kind of felt like, Ooh, you know, we're talking, we're going to be talking a lot about design and stuff. So I thought it could be like, you know, we're the cool. Right. This is, this is the places where beards yeah, stand exactly. out. Like we're, the, like we're being true. the we cool guys of the group. But, but anyways, we're about to break top hundred, I think. So give us a shout out somewhere. Tell right. tell your friends, tell your mom and uh, get us, <laughs> get us broken over that hundred. <laughs> get us in the top hundred. Shout out to your mom. Everybody get their moms listening to the Modern Maker podcast. Yep. Cool. Awesome. All right. See you guys guys. next week. Bye. Or no, on the weekend. Bye. Bye. Weekend Weekend show. show. Bye.